Science in diction and fact over fiction. Learning and growing and healing afflictions. Authentic and supportive, knowledge a plethora. Welcome to the Library of Alexandria. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Library of Alexandria. I am so glad that you are here. I'm going to be talking about a very complex yet serious topic today. So trigger warning, we are going to be learning about traumatic bonding today, or trauma bonds. The reason we're exploring this topic is because human beings as a collective are in desperate and necessary need of gaining more accurate, clear, and supportive information about mental health preservation and vitality. And understanding and treating emotional trauma and traumatic abuse are crucial parts of that mission. Also, emotional trauma is multi-layered. It's aggressive, manipulative, and sneaky. And with regards to the sly nature of psychological abuse, it will support survivors to know they may still actually be connected to their abuser through traumatic bonding. And trauma affects everyone, directly and or indirectly. In fact, according to the National Council of Behavioral Health, 70% of adults in the U.S. alone have experienced some type of traumatic event at least once in their lives. That's 223 0.4 million people. So, in addition to serving HSPs, which I talked about in the first episode, I also help survivors of emotional abuse, especially narcissistic abuse, navigate life from a place of self-acceptance so they can operate via fierce intuition, unwavering self-respect, and complete authenticity. Essentially, I'm furthering a movement of operating from a place of self-reverence which is deep admiration and respect for yourself. Details of self-reverence will be addressed in next week's episode, so be sure to come back next week. Furthermore, as a victim and survivor of emotional abuse myself, specifically narcissistic abuse, I will be sharing authentic and supportive information and knowledge from both an anecdotal and scientific perspective. Okay, let's dive in. What is traumatic bonding? Traumatic bonding is defined as a strong emotional attachment between an abused person and his or her abuser, formed as a result of the cycle of violence. And trauma bonds are those subliminal forms of attachment that keep the abused person tethered or bonded to their abuser. So understanding how trauma bonds function will help survivors recognize how it functions in their abusive relationship, thus helping them to sever the trauma bond and begin to heal from the psychological abuse. I will share my personal story of being trauma bonded to my abusive parents, particularly to my abusive father. So the trauma bond. I was bonded to my abusive father by way of a mutual relationship. So the mutual relationship was the trauma bond. Okay, story time. I grew up in a toxic family dynamic consisting of me, my mother, and my father. My father has a narcissistic personality disorder, or NPD, which is a severely dangerous psychological disorder that inflicts torturous mental abuse on its victims. My mother does not have NPD, although she has adopted some narcissistic tendencies and characteristics through her 50-year abusive and enmeshed relationship with my father, so keep that in mind. 
my father verbally, physically, and psychologically abused me, which was enabled by my mother because she feared him. So she fearfully submitted to him because she was also one of his victims. So as a young child, I quickly learned that my father was not safe. So I quickly learned to reject him as a safe parent so I could physically and emotionally protect myself. So after graduating college, I used my newfound freedom to move far away from my parents and focus on healing from the psychological abuse I endured in my upbringing. And even as a young woman who just graduated college, I mean, the the abuse never stops. So what is the issue here? During that time, I chose out of emotional obligation and financial desperation to maintain a relationship with my mother. Like me, she was also a victim of my father's abuse. Because we were victims of a mutual abuser, I continued to relive the trauma through my connection with my mother. This relationship with my mother also forced me to communicate with my father, so I would sporadically speak with him on the phone. I also made an exception to be physically present with my father, so being near him, being present with him, by visiting my parents annually for the holidays. So how did the trauma bond form? By maintaining a relationship with my mother, who is a lasting and enmeshed victim of my abuser, I was sustaining an emotional trauma bond to my abusive father. Like I said, emotional abuse is complex and layered and intricate and deep. Trauma bonds develop and present in many forms, so let's get into the specifics. Number one, trauma bonds can be tethered by a variety of sources, including beliefs, habits, places, and more. This is how traumatic bonding is sneaky. So for example, if a trauma survivor still smokes cigarettes as a coping mechanism for stress, a habit that originally developed as a mechanism to combat the severe stress of existing in an abusive relationship, the survivor's present act of smoking demonstrates an attachment, a trauma bond, to their former abuser. Their current pattern for coping with stress is tied to their former abusive relationship. Even though the victimizer is no longer physically present in the survivor's life, the survivor remains emotionally attached to the trauma-induced behaviors associated with their former abuser, ensuring a traumatized spirit or intuition, as I refer to it. Healing from emotional traumatic abuse has to be holistic, encompassing all aspects of the self, physical, emotional, and spiritual. Number two. Trauma bonds are rooted in power imbalance. Traumatic bonding is the compelling emotional attachment forming despite abuse and because of power imbalance. So in a trauma-bonded relationship, there exists an abuser and a victim. And the abuser creates and maintains a tremendously powerful, manipulative, psychological dominance over their victim. And trauma-bonded relationships do not discriminate. They can form between romantic partners, between a parent and a child, between siblings, and even between colleagues. Number three, cognitive dissonance fuels trauma bonds. 
Cognitive dissonance refers to the state of confusion and discomfort one feels when they have two contradicting thoughts. So in the case of abuse and trauma bonding, a victim who justifies their abuser's actions is suffering from cognitive dissonance. So I'll give you a clearer example. So if someone is a victim of traumatic abuse and they are justifying or making excuses for their abuser's actions while simultaneously hating and suffering from the abuse and wanting it to end, they are in a state of cognitive dissonance. They are experiencing two contradicting thoughts. They think that their abuser is wrong and they, well, they know their abuser is wrong and they are being physically and or emotionally harmed by this person, yet they are finding ways to justify their behavior. Uh, It's common for people it's common for victims to have the justification of, oh, well, my abuser had a really bad childhood. They had a really traumatic childhood, so it's not their fault that they're this way. Although I really do want them to stop, and this relationship is not sustainable, and I'm suffering, and I'm being abused. See how those are two contradicting thoughts? Cognitive dissonance is a very common source that fuels these trauma bonds. It's what keeps these trauma bonds alive. Uh, trauma bonds rely on cognitive dissonance to keep them flourishing. Traumatic bonds are an intricately constructed reflection of attachment, enmeshment, and identification. This is serious. This is intense. That means that the victim's identity is literally enmeshed with that of the abuser. Their identity is enmeshed and tied to the abuse related to the abuser. And this makes trauma bonds incredibly difficult to break because of this cognitive dissonance. Okay, now that we've gained information about how to understand how trauma bonds work, now we need to understand how to sever these trauma bonds. So, a victim severs a trauma bond by pledging allegiance to the self. Listen to that again. Pledging allegiance to the self is how a victim severs a trauma bond. This provides the ability to navigate life from a place of self-acceptance, allowing them to operate via fierce intuition, unwavering self-respect, and complete authenticity. And I'm going to teach you how to do it step by step. Here we go. Step one, take consistent and physical emotional self-inventory. Know thyself, said Socrates. To know is to understand, and the more victims and survivors know, the better they can understand how to sever the trauma bond. So traumatic bonding is a habitual pattern of abuse that consistently harms the mind and body of the victim. So victims must employ highly astute monitoring of their mental and physical reactions when in the presence and absence of the abuser. Pay attention to what stimuli triggers you and what brings you peace. Notice what makes you feel most authentic and in control and what makes you feel most like a victim without control. This inventory allows victims to recognize and understand the patterns and habits they've adopted that actually fuel and sustain the trauma bond, thus empowering them with knowledge to take control over these harmful patterns. This practice will strengthen your intuition, your inner wisdom, as well as your ability to trust it, to trust yourself. Step two, reframe the meaning of loyalty. So shift the meaning of loyalty to serve you and only you. The Oxford English Dictionary defines loyalty as a strong feeling of support 
or allegiance. Now y'all know that I'm very serious about language and word choice and diction and semantics because our language creates our mindset and our mindset creates our reality. Also, our language is a representation of our thoughts and our feelings and our experiences, our reality. So it is imperative that we take language very seriously and understand the words we are using and use them effectively to clearly and authentically represent what we are trying to convey. Okay, so reframe the meaning of loyalty. The Oxford English Dictionary defines loyalty as a strong feeling of support or allegiance. Remember, you must pledge allegiance to yourself in order to sever the trauma bond and heal from the psychological abuse. Trauma-bonded relationships keep the victim loyal to the abuser, and abusers focus their attention on their victims so they can control them. So victims must prioritize focusing this same vigilant attention on themselves so as to sever the bond and begin the healing process. Without this mindset, they will remain loyal to the abuser, even if that loyalty, that allegiance, is unconscious. Only the self can heal the self. Step three, be self-serving. Now, being self-serving is a major focal point in my practice, in my mission, in my movement. I advocate, champion, endorse, and encourage being self-serving and keeping that top of mind. To be clear, self-service and selfishness are not synonymous. I'll explain. Selfishness means having a lack of concern for people and their needs and concerns and choosing to put your personal pleasure and profit first above all else. Being self-serving means choosing to put your personal welfare and interest first. So pleasure and profit versus welfare and interest. And considerate gratification and greed versus well-being and regards. Being self-serving allows victims and all people to conduct themselves, behave, and communicate from a place of genuine authenticity, confidence, mindfulness, and self-awareness. It means taking action in ways to provide ourselves safety and comfort. It means honoring our intuition, advocating for ourselves, asserting our needs, and standing in our worth. Our quality of life depends on our quality of relationships. That's a quote by psychologist Esther Perel. And our relationship to self is the foundation of inner security and a fulfilling life. Give your attention to who and what serves you, not to who and what doesn't. Step four, find aligned, supportive community. Allyship and advocacy are essential in the journey to healing the self and severing trauma bonds. They provide the emotionally and physically safe environment needed when activating unknown or subdued parts of the self when working to heal. Victims must also be affirmed and validated in their feelings and experiences during this vulnerable healing process. Examples of allies include a therapist, a coach, support groups, and aligned friends and family. And I want to underscore aligned because there will be friends and family who dearly love you and care about you and want best for you. That does not necessarily mean that they are the most aligned support system for you during this time. So just be mindful of uh, the appropriate friends and family who are going to be aligned with you, who are going to understand you and speak your language during this time. And not even necessarily just speak your language. You just want to make sure that you're going to be sharing this with individuals who are going to be able to see you and hear you 
empathize with you, affirm you, and validate you and support you in any way that they can. And finally, step five, nurture and maintain self-reverence. We are back to self-reverence, which is the focal point of my movement. So emanated in the essence of each person's individualized human uniqueness is their truth, is your truth as a victor over trauma. And as I said, this includes you, dear listener. You are here on this earth, listening at this very moment because you have survived trauma. Let that sink in. You have propelled yourself forward and nourished a physical and psychological presence in the here and now with the capacity to take aligned and inspired action to nurture yourself. How incredibly powerful and empowering. These truths alone merit reverence for yourself. Again, deep admiration and deep respect for yourself. In truth, we humans are usually more resourced than we give ourselves credit for. And I hope that this is awakening you to see that you likely need to be giving yourself much more credit than you have been giving yourself previously. I also want to take a moment to highlight something extremely important in regards to this topic, in regards to severing trauma bonds and beginning the healing process. The desire for survivors to share their healing process with their abuser is common and strong. And I have to say, this desire must not be entertained. Do not do that. Do not interact with the abuser in any way. Do not let them know that you are better off without them, even though you absolutely are. Do not let them know that you are living a happier, more prosperous life. Do not let them know that, you know, they ruined your life. And also, and this is exceptionally difficult for us empaths, for us HSPs, do not focus on the hope of them healing either because you can heal don't think because you can heal because you can grow because you can nurture yourself that they can do the same don't entertain those thoughts don't focus on that the only way to sever a trauma bond is by ending the connection to the abuser completely remember pledge allegiance to yourself and that will allow you to activate the renaissance that is personal healing from this trauma bond, from this emotional traumatic abuse. Whew. So I know that was a lot of information and I know that that was heavy information for a lot of you likely. And again, I want to thank you so much for taking aligned and inspired action to listen to this episode and to gain this information to support yourself or to support somebody else. I hope that this information and episode served you in some way, in any way. I hope it provided you clarity and better understanding a personal experience or the experience of someone you know or love. I hope this provided you validation and affirmation in your story or your reality or your experiences or your growth journey. Some of the information presented in this episode was sourced from peer-reviewed articles, so I provided links to those articles in the show notes as well as the direct quotes that I used in this episode. This pod episode was also inspired by an article I published on Medium. If you are interested and so inclined as to read it, I will also provide a link to that article in the show notes as well. And one final important thing. 
if this episode resonates with you, if this podcast resonates with you, I would greatly appreciate it if you subscribed and rated it because that will allow me to reach more people, thus affording me the opportunity to serve, help, and support more people. Also, by you subscribing and rating, you are helping to further my movement. So thank you so much to all of you who have subscribed, rated, and written a review. Your action will nurture abundance in aligned connection and support through this podcast. New episodes are released every Thursday, so I will see you back here next week. And remember, we'll be talking about the topic of self-reverence. That's going to be a really juicy and fun episode. See you next week, everyone. Cheers. Baby, baby, baby